At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Good morning, Tam Tam. How is it in Los Angeles? I just wanted to say Well, the walls are definitely closing in on me, but yes, but I did get a jump start on my fitness regime for the new year. I did a. You want to know? I did the shortest workout in my life. Do you want to know how long it was? Twelve minutes. Nope. Was it sex? Eight minutes. It was a it, it was a six minute cardio workout and I was sweating. Okay, but that's yes, you will be sweating, but is six minutes that's, enough? I mean, I feel like I'm done for the day. <laughs> it's, it's the same with sex. It's like, you know yeah. what? After three minutes, I'm done for the day. I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I don't need I don't need it to keep going. You know, they actually say that exercising for a shorter amount of time but for a more intense amount of time actually is better for you. Yeah, that's what right and do it just really intense like don't take breaks like do it quick yes right i think and for but it depends too. on your yeah. hormone cycle though like you're not supposed to be doing that before your period before your period you're actually supposed to be doing yoga and more reflective things i feel like for me i don't know if your body is the same way but i feel like i have to do intense workouts to like see any sort of a change or, or even feel better like i feel like i have to like profusely sweat I get that, but I do think that what a hormone specialist said, Elisa Vitti, she did say that if you work out too hard before your period, you're actually turning on fat cells. And I do believe that. I do believe right before your period, you actually don't feel like you want to work out that much. I mean, I know I don't. I feel like lethargic, you know? It's because your body is telling you something. And I think that we all need to be doing kumbaya yoga together. But I never think that you and I are on the same cycle. That's the problem. We need to be more in sync with our cycle, which you're supposed to sync up when you spend a lot of time with with people. I know, but it's we're always spending time together through Zoom. How are we going to sync up our cycles? I don't know. Uh, Well, someone's cycle that I do want to sync up with. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good segue. I have... It's funny because on Pearl of Liars, I didn't feel close to that many people, but every time Vanessa walked into a room... I, I don't know. I just like sparks. Like I just felt connected. She lit up the room, right? She lit up the room, which made me light up the room. (laughs) There's something so special about her. And that's why she works all the time. And maybe why I don't work all the time. Um, But she works all the time because there's a spark about her that is just, it is burning so bright. So that when she said she wanted to be on the show, I peed my pants just a little bit. Might be from pregnancy. Might not be. Might be just from her. <laughs> um, not Isaac pregnancy. I'm not pregnant. From post-pregnancy. Um, but welcome, Vanessa. Yay, Vanessa, welcome. Coming me. And thank you for saying such very nice things. I feel oh, the same it. way, Cameron. 
Like I feel like there's a connection at work. I felt like very welcome. So you guys really hit it off when you guys were working together, huh? Yeah, we didn't get to work together very much. Mm. I didn't really get to work very much on the show in general, but yeah, like they're like surprise, you have all these important things to do, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, you're like, I don't even know what my character is. Yeah, that's right, because it was, like, highly secretive, right? Very secretive, yes. Yeah. I mean, Marlene, I guess, told me a lot of things when I first got the job, when I very, very first got the job. Then, kind of after that, it went all over the place, and I didn't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, though, sometimes. We were talking about this with Grant recently. It's like when you you aren't, like, in Blue Bloods, your character is very ingrained in that show right mm-hmm. so it's like when your character comes in and out sometimes you kind of feel like you don't have an anchor mm-hmm. and you don't know how to play the role as well as you could when you don't fully know all the things about your character mm-hmm. but that being said you know the show was made up with it was a sum of all parts right so right. Well, i worked with randomly i worked on da- the show damages with ted mm-hmm. danson with a bunch of people, you know, but um, Ted Danson said to me, because we would get the script at midnight the night before we would shoot the next day, oh, which wow. is nuts. And you just never knew what was going to happen. It was like twists and turns. And he just said, you just play what's on the page that day. Mm-hmm. And trust that the writers, like when a twist comes, if all of a sudden you're like now a bad guy, that'll just enhance your character. So that's, that's how he would play it. And I was like, that's a smart idea. It's hard to build layers around a character though. If you're like, cause in a, in a scene for people who aren't actors who are listening to the show, you always have to find kind of what's your intention? What's your motivation? Like, what do you want out of the scenes? So you're sitting here and you're like, you know, don't, if you're a bad guy, don't play the bad guy, right? Just play like, oh, you're, you're misunderstood, right? What do you want? You want to be heard. You want something and how are you going to do it? So if you want to be heard and seen, like, what are your tactics? What are all the things you're going to do? But if you don't know much about your character, it's really hard to play your intention. Totally. I agree. With, I do. I agree with that. I think that I often just go to, um, insecurity so like, what, like whatever, whatever my insecurity is if I can like if I'm playing a bad guy I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally insecure and then I'm gonna top it with some energy and like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would think it would be so much more fun to play the villain right like to play the bad guy and explore those parts of you like within yourself that you can't really express like on you know day to day is that true is it more fun to play somebody who's like a little naughty and nasty versus like the good guy well like Tamara and I wonder how you feel about this because I think that there's like you said you know you don't know you're playing the bad guy uh-huh. mm-hmm. You know, you might know you're being manipulative or you Mm -hmm. might know that you're pulling strings or you might know that you're lying or something, but you don't necessarily know that you're playing the bad guy. And so I think that it's just, it's it's not the same thing. You get to do cooler stuff when you're the bad guy. Mm -hmm. I do think that like, for me, people go like, what's the best, like, what characters do you like to play? I just like characters that have a secret they don't have to be bad they don't have to be good they just have something and all people do like we all suffer from something right so everyone has something deep down that they're trying to conceal mm-hmm. and they're trying like don't don't find this out right but my husband who i think is a brilliant actor who doesn't act anymore he actually you know used to be off broadway and he has a degree at like a, a fine art and fine arts and he's he's like my best acting coach and he always said it's so much more interesting 
watching a character that has a secret that they're trying to conceal at all times than just watching someone who's just playing the scene. You know, it's always, you know, because everyone has, even the good guy has something that they're hiding, you know, that they're trying to like not show. Um, But yeah, like when you say like, is it good to play, you know, better to play a villain or not a villain? I think it's just better to play someone who's dealing with something. Mm, the deeper level. Yeah. yeah. Well, did you guys did you guys know that apparently Ghislaine Maxwell was uh, a fan of Pretty Little Liars? In fact, do you know what her alias was um, as she would check into hotels? Have you heard this? No. What her alias was? Her alias was Jenna Marshall. Are you joking? No. What? Yes. I'm that officially really successful. <laughs> Vanessa, you, it's funny because I did a deep dive. I know everything about your life. <laughs> um, God, I don't know and, what is on the internet. That's just, I don't know what and I, I felt really connected to you last night. Like I was really struggling last night. It was midnight and I didn't go to bed till one o'clock. And I was like, just looking through your stuff. And I says, I have self-diagnosed, but I'm really sure that I'm one second away from being actually diagnosed with ADHD which is like an attention deficit disorder. And if people think that ADHD or ADD is just something like people are not paying attention. Right. But it's actually much hard. It's much more in depth than that is when, you know, I walk into a kitchen sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time. And if there's stuff on the table or there's too much clutter, I am paralyzed. I can't, I can't physically go and get the spoon from the dishwasher um, and use the spoon because that is just, my brain starts to short circuit, right? It's just like, there's too much, there's too much going on. And I just, I just can't, can't do it. I just recently started grocery shopping for the first time because just too much. When I would walk in, there'd be too many lights, too much action, too much of that. So like last night, I've been really suffering with like concentration and like feeling um, like I can't, my brain is just not connecting to things. And then I read your post last night about you officially saying that you suffer from bipolar. And I really think that by doing that, not only did you make me feel less alone, you've made so many people feel less alone, but I want to go through that whole experience like when did you know something was different or did you always feel like I did I thought everyone walked into a kitchen and felt paralyzed to get the spoon and because there was so much mess but a lot of people don't a lot of people just go and get the spoon and it's not an issue but I thought that everyone felt that way and you said in your post that oh I thought everyone felt the things that I felt so when did you start to feel like something was different well I I, I would say, you know, they say that often, um, like with bipolar, there's a break. There's something mm-hmm. that happens to you that ignites that. And it usually happens in your teenage years. And that was definitely true for me. Um, I was at odds with my family. Um, and I had a boyfriend and, and it was not great there. And it was, you know, sex before marriage. And in my household, that was really not good. Mm-hmm. And so there was all of these different, lots of shame and, you know, and it was very, I was very volatile. And I think that, you know, I'd always kind of had some element of that. And in fact, I see it in kids that I'm like friend, you know, kids that are close to, I'm like, Oh, I see, Oh, I see you. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. I see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so. My family was just kind of always like, Oh, this is just Ness. This is just how she is. And oh, she's going to, she's going to lose it. She's not going to sleep for four days. Great. Here we go. She's like, she's on one. And then, you know, 
why won't she talk to us? Like, I guess she's, she doesn't needs to sleep. Like, I guess that's just what it is. And it wasn't like they were neglectful or anything. It just was like, Oh, mother's mother had lived with it for so long that I think that like my mom's like, Oh, that's just people, <laughs> you know, for her. I think she also was like, Oh, that's just people. And so I think for me, it's that it became, it got to a point when I got, when I, after I was married and everything where it was so unmanageable and I was so afraid of my own self mm. and that's like, that's the thing that would happen to me is I didn't want to get too close to somebody because I wouldn't want them to know my crazy. Mm. And then the people I would get really close to, they would see it all the time. And it was a lot to handle. That's kind of unbearable when like, you know, your best friend shows up one day and is like, like freaking on natural cocaine. And then the next time they won't call you back for two weeks and I can't focus and I can't be connected to anybody. And so being an actor, that was another part of it where I was really scared to be, I would just play a role. I just play a part. I'm nice. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, I'm going to show up to work and I'm just, and I'm grateful to be here, which is true. And I'm just to be nice, which is true. But I, but I don't want to get too close. And it was interesting because whenever I would talk to you, Tam, and like, you would bring up real shit. And I was like, oh, God, oh, sorry. God, this woman can't get away from it. She wants the truth. And like, I was so nervous because I just think that's such a, you have such a great knack for that. And you're so unashamed and open about who you are. And you're so open about your kids and your husband and all those things. And, and I think there's a part of me that's has like, always wanted to be like that. And I, I admire it so much. And I think I just felt like I had so many demons and, um, things that I couldn't control. I didn't, you know, when I, when I went away, um, to a mental institution mm -hmm. and, uh, we started working on stuff. I, I like literally had a list from my therapist and I was like, okay, when is it okay to yell at somebody? And she's like, never. And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, you know, I'm like, under this circumstance, how would I behave in the grocery store. And she, you know, like I, I literally needed to be put together piece by piece because I didn't trust anything that I knew. And, um, right before that all kind of happened, I, well, I, I sort of like overdosed on, <laughs> on a drug mm -hmm. and, um, it was real scary. And I think that was sort of the moment where I said to a friend, like, I, can't do this. I don't know what to do. And I, I know I can stop doing this. I just don't know what's on the How? other side. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like who's on the other side? I, I really didn't know. And, um, and so when I, Blue Bloods was fantastic and they let me go and work on myself and they didn't put a time limit on it. And they, you know, they understood. And you know, not everybody knew what was happening. Just my producers knew. And they were just freaking, CBS was amazing. They really were amazing. Mm -hmm. And let me take the time. And then when I came back to the real world, you know, Landon and I had, my husband and I had to have a ton of therapy as well within mm -hmm. that. Because here I am changing, starting to take accountability for myself, trying to be 
present and all of those things. And my husband is someone who takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. He has the schedule. He has the calendar. He's the one that has his shit together. And so all of a sudden when I was like, no, 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 I don't need your help. He, it put, it was difficult in our marriage. And it was the question of whether or not either of us wanted to be in a marriage where we've completely flipped the script, you know, like, do I still want to be with, with this person that, you know, now all of a sudden she's just going to be off by herself and, or like, I don't want to be with someone who's, he's not controlling, but like that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Caring, you know, overly caring, overbearing. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I would tend to attract people like that. You like, attract the people that make you feel like you can function. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a great, yes. You can attract the people that make you feel like you can function. And so when I was functioning differently, it was a challenge. And um, ultimately, we've come out on the other side, thanks to like, you know, Codependent No More. That's a great mm-hmm. book. Everybody should read it and pick it up. Um, and we just, we just worked through it. And now we're able to like communicate in a way where I'm like, I do not need your help on this. And he goes, oh, okay, God, <laughs> you know. So you had mentioned the drugs and alcohol, you know, played a part um, in really turning the corner for you. But before that, uh, was it, were you using it like on a sort of like a daily basis to just medicate and like numb yourself and not feel or how, how, um, how involved was it in your life, the drugs and the alcohol? Yeah, it was a slow progression. Um, I never drank when I was in high school or, you know, because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. my was like, you don't drink till you're 21 because otherwise it's illegal. And the, you could take a drink of that beer and the cops will come and they'll take you in handcuffs. So mm-hmm. I was very, like, straight laced in that way. And, you know, rarely, I mean, like two or three times a year, had mm-hmm. a glass of, you know, wine or whatever, some fruity drink probably. And then yeah. um, when I moved to New York, um, that was like all of a sudden, it was like, oh, you like go out every night. That's mm-hmm. just the thing. Like, they're like, here's your alcoholic card. That's just living in New York. And not like, I mean, I wouldn't identify as an alcoholic, but mm-hmm. they, um, but it was like, a, do you go out every night? And I didn't really know. I don't do well with, um, uh, what's the word? Not restrictions, but like, uh, management, like mm-hmm. I'm not very good at going, okay, I'm going to have three chocolate chip cookies today, but I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't need a chocolate. I don't need a special treat every day, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it wasn't like, it really was just sort of, and, but also, sorry, I should say this too. Also, I started working right away when I moved to New York, which was, that was the first time I'd ever got a great agent and I was working. So there's an element to it where I was working so much mm-hmm. that I didn't have time to go out and mm-hmm. I didn't want to want to feel good the next day. And you know, that, that it was, I was doing a, at one point I was doing a Broadway show and I couldn't, I needed to sing. I'm not going to go out after that, you know? So it was easier to manage. I had a lot of things to distract me from, like I said, from myself. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I got on blue bloods and then it just happened to be a season where I wasn't working a ton. I, you know, was in every episode, but, um, I just wasn't working a ton. And I had, it was idle hands. It was a real idle hand situation where Mm -hmm. I just, I had my, you know, my husband and I are still, um, doing 
uh, we're bicoastal, so mm-hmm. he lives in LA, I live here. And um, so there was just time, I wasn't, I'm not great alone, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm alone, I can like, whether I could use anything, it could be food, it could be alcohol, it could be cocaine, it could be whatever it is, and I would just go for it. Mm-hmm. And um, then it just came to a place where I was like, I don't um, want to, I, I like I wanted to stop, but I didn't. I didn't know what was going to take its place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It became because its place was work for me before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I didn't have time to do all that stuff because I, I had work. Mm-hmm. I was busy all the time, auditioning, like all that kind of stuff. And then you get on a series, and then sometimes they don't. They don't need you every day of mm-hmm. the week, and so that was. It's, I'm like, there's a part of me still that deals with a bit of shame around that, mm-hmm. um, where I'm like, why couldn't I grow up faster? Why couldn't I have just, you know, gotten my shit together? Why couldn't I have gotten into needlepoint or something like, because uh, you were sick or, and it wasn't your fault. Yeah. That's, that is true. <laughs> um, that's that is true. And I think that it, it just, everything really, everything was really scary to me. Everything mm-hmm. was really scary. And I, I needed something to make me unaware of mm. the state I was in. And it was real bad with my husband. We just got married too. I mean, it was like nuts. We just got married and it was just, and we'd been together for 10 years, you know? Mm. And I, um, and it was bad with my friends. I would, you know, go to a bar and like be the girl crying at the bar that mm. you cut me off and you're not understanding me. And like, I just was a, fucking mess it's so embarrassing but um but I'm actually really grateful that it got that bad if it hadn't Mm -hmm. I could have just kept masking it and I I eventually you know would have trained the people around me like you said like to take care of me and do the things and that and I would be fine that way um and so I'm ultimately grateful for it but it was an ugly road there's so much to unpack and it's interesting because now 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 i realize why i was so connected to you there's so many things that you said that just like oh my god a light bulb i'm not good alone I don't know how to be alone. I'm scared of being alone. I'm scared of my mind when i'm alone not that i think i'd do anything crazy i'm not not to that extent but when your brain isn't firing the right way. You just don't want to be left with those thoughts. And so I haven't worked because I've had my, both my kids and then COVID. So, and it's affected my, you're doing this, you're always working. I mean, but I, it's affected my self-worth. It's affected my self-esteem. It's affected the way I'm in my relationship. Like you said these things and I was like, oh my God, the last 48 hours, I've been so fucking needy. And I don't want to be, how can I be this old and still be needy? Like fucking grow up, Tam. And like at some point be an adult. Mm. And I don't know when that, ha- maybe it's just a misnomer. Maybe there is no such thing as like, you're all of a sudden, you'll be an adult when you hit a certain age. Maybe this is just parts of you that you have to start healing, but like you have to, and like you said, mine's never gotten so like I had all these miscarriages and that got pretty bad, but it didn't get so bad that I needed everyone to come around. Like I needed to go away somewhere and fix myself. So it's always just, it's always been teetering mm. and it's weird. Like, like how bad does it get until you go, I'm going to fix myself, you know? Mm. I think 
I think uh, that for, like for me to go fix myself, it was like, I felt, like I said, I felt so broken all over the place that I didn't know what to do. I was real scared and I was mm-hmm. panicked. And um, I, so I think for me, that was the reason I went on that path. And I knew that if I didn't dive in, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive. I, would, I wouldn't do, it. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was not there. And I think that for me, I was scared I was going to die. You know, mm. that's where, that's what brought me yeah. to that. I was like, I am either going to jump off of the bridge myself or I'm going to do something stupid one night and I'm not going to come home. Yeah. Like, that's do you think that, um, did you have, because oftentimes on the show, we talk about helpers and people that help you along the way and they may come into your life and come out of your life at certain points. But did you have somebody that helped you make that next step? to actually going away and getting help or was this something you kind of just did on your own it was sort of um i i there yes there was one distinct conversation i had with my friend tracy weiler mm-hmm. and um and i was sitting on the couch with her and i just was crying over nothing i didn't know that i was even crying and i said i'm 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 really sad I'm really, really sad. And I don't know how to stop feeling sad. And she said, okay, is this something that we need to do? We just need to find a therapist or is this bigger than that? And I said, I think it's bigger than that. And she said, great. Um, okay, let's start looking in. And it, it was not even, this is even where I went, but she was like, okay, let's look for somewhere in Palm Springs. <laughs> like she, she gave me a bit of a direction. I was like, oh, I could go somewhere. <laughs> like, Palm Springs. That sounds great. <laughs> you know? And um, then from there, then I got really sick and it was the holidays and I was like, just, and just trying to figure it out. And I found somewhere to go and, and I just, I mean, it was real scary. Like I went with my best friends, Eric and Kelly and Landon and they took me and dropped me off. And mm-hmm. that was that. <laughs> so I don't know. It was weird. But for me, I just, I, you know, but damn it, I have, di- I had different things. Like they don't have kids and that sort of pressure, but you know, you're not alone. That is, mm-hmm. that is a very normal feeling to feel needy at times. Of, right. Still, you know, I'm so needy sometimes of my husband. He's I think still- it's beyond that though. Like I, I, like I worry that like if something happened to my husband, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'd be okay. Like I, my, I, I, I was always, I'd always have backstop. Like there's always someone there for me. There was always, you know, a husband or a boyfriend or my parents, or there's always someone that if I fell, they would pick me up. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you get older, like we all do and, you know, knock on wood, not soon, but at some point your parents aren't there anymore and your kids grow up and your husband, what if something happens to him? He's 12 years older and it's just me. Am I okay to live stripped down just who I am standing there and be okay with who I am? And I don't know that yet. I don't know who I am without these people around me. And that scares me. Like I look at Roxy and I know Roxy, we've known each other for a long time. I know that she can get on a fucking plane, go to, if she had to work in Berlin, do her thing. Like I I was in, I I went to Berlin last year before COVID and my suitcase got locked with a lock. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was 2am in LA. And I called my husband hysterical saying, I don't know how to open the suitcase. And he's like, 
you're in Germany. Like, I can't help you. And I was like, but you have to help me. Mm -hmm. You have to fix this for me. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened is what my husband and I do is like, he fixes it. I have a problem and he deals with it. And so like, I'm so used to him fixing my problems that I don't even know how to fucking fix them myself. It's not his fault. He's been used to that his whole life. And that's what he likes to do. He likes to take care of things. And I like to delegate. So then, so then who, who am I without that? And this is not like a big therapy session for me, but I'm just like, those are the things that I deal with on a day to day basis. I mean, listen, I still worry about that. I still, I still worry about like the moments where I get locked out of my apartment and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm listening because I do that a lot, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> together. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I, that's to, that's totally relatable. I mean, you should read the book. Mm. It's pretty good. Codependent no more. It'll really knock your socks off. Um, it was the only thing for my husband mm. that it was. It was like everybody was like, "Landon, you have cancer," and he's like what are you talking about? I feel fine. They're like, no, 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 you have like, you have cancer. And he's like, you guys are crazy. And then it wasn't until he saw an x-ray, right? That he's like, I have cancer. He doesn't have cancer, but, um, <laughs> but he has this, co- he has codependency. And so um, it was finally when he read the, this book that he went, oh, oh my gosh, I'm sick. I didn't know that I had a part in any of this. Mm-hmm. And so it was, that was a big, thing for us but it's baby steps you know what I mean like it's like I'm gonna pay these bills this month and I'm gonna well I don't know what I'm talking about but you know like yeah just like it's it's one step forward one step forward five steps forward sometimes four steps back but as long as you're continuing the want to fix yourself right? right isn't that what it's about it's the desire to be better Yes. I think that's the, I think that's it. Like there are plenty of people who are in therapy. There are plenty of people who are, you know, dealing with drug addiction and alcohol and all the things, but the ones that you see that want to live different. I think it seems like also not getting too overwhelmed, like you were saying and taking the baby steps. But if you do fuck up, which everybody does, it's also having grace with yourself, right? And saying, okay, you know what? I fucked up, but tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to pick myself back up again. And I mean, I know I'm sure it's like easier said than done a lot of the time, but it's kind of keeping that mindset. It seems like that forward thinking mindset, right? Right. It's it's mindfulness and it's Mm -hmm. looking forward and it's not, it's saying, you know, it just, if you screwed up five seconds ago, you go in the past, I did something and in the future, I'm not going to do that again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of a, it's like a three-step apology to yourself where you say, I recognize that you feel this way. I recognize that I did this thing and I'm never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And like, you just, you just do that and you pick up and you move to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that it's the grace with yourself and loving yourself and all that. I'll say it till the day I die. Like that is the name of the game. That is the whole point mm-hmm. of all of this is to be able to love yourself the way that others love you i think mm-hmm. yeah. it's so hard sometimes though right it's so hard to love yourself bipolar so is, sorry you go i was gonna say bipolar is something that not a lot of people i think you know 
people can self-diagnose themselves and say, well, I felt so, so depressed like last week and right now I've got lots of energy, but what is bipolar? Mm. Like, how do you know that you could suffer from it? <laughs> and what are things that make it better for people and that have made it better for you? Mm. Um, what is bipolar is a big question. I don't know perfectly how to answer it, but <laughs> you can, you, that, um, it is, t- you tend to have a cortisol brush mm-hmm. that happens and it can come out in different ways. It can come out in anger. It can come out in joy and silliness. And like most bipolar people are probably the most fun people, you know, you know, you can be, there's a brightness and like a, a, a light that comes and then you can truly feel it start to leave your body. You start, and, and this, the, uh, Anne Hathaway did a great um, episode of this show, Love. And I'd never seen anybody depict bipolar better than that, where she was feeling herself and you're, you're like out in the world and you could talk to anybody and nobody's a stranger mm-hmm. and you believe in yourself and you believe in the world and it's just great. And then it's, it's like, it's like you feel the blood start leaving your hands and your head and your body. And it's just, and you go, no, please, 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 please don't come. 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 And then you're suicidal. You're unable to uh, uh, focus. Um, you want to sleep all the time. Um, just uh, things feel very heavy. And the, the best way to handle that is, um, for me, has been medication. Mm-hmm. and. Um, so that's medication changed my life. I mean, it, it, there's things that are annoying about medication. Like I have dry mouth all the time, but I also don't like not come home for three days, <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah. that's a positive. Um, and, uh, and I, I think that there are things that I have to do every day physically mm-hmm. to combat it. Um, some sort of, if I could do a six minute exercise, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send it to you. I think it's legit. (laughs) Goodness. That sounds like a dream. um, There is something about like sweating and getting mirrored endorphins Mm -hmm. up and all that stuff. It's very good for me. Um, It's really important to me that I'm connected to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big one for me because I'm, I can get real on those days when it gets real dark. Mm -hmm. I I, I'm useless. I feel like I, I do. I feel, I feel like I'd rather just sleep till I never came back. It's, it can be really bad. I haven't had one of those days in a long time, mm. you know, because of different tools that I have, but, um, it is connection for me. It is really helps combat that in a, in a big way. And it can't just be landed. It can't just be my husband who's in charge. Mm. Um, therapy, obviously, um, keeping an eye on, um, myself, <laughs> like trusting myself. Uh, those are, those are kind of the, the base tools that have helped me. Meditation helps me as well. Um, I'm not perfect at it. I, I'm never going to be perfect at any of these tools. I'm, you know, but, um, you know, I, I still like, after I wrote that post, Tamman, like the next day I felt 
I had a bad day. I just was like, I feel like I'm a liar because I feel low and I feel dark and I feel ugly. And I, wowie, boy, didn't I, I did not expect to feel that way the next day, you know? And so I still have like, there's still a high and low, but the baseline is pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a long-winded way of describing what bipolar is, but um, it's just it's just extremes. It's living to extremes on either end. Mm. Medication as well, and I know, um, especially because you know, being creatives as we all are, and and artists and actors, uh, a lot of people don't. They think they can't take medicine because it will dull their emotions and everything. Yeah. So how did that play out for you? Was there ever a point that you dealt with that or was it just always pretty Pretty positive? Yeah. I mean, that was a big thing for me is I was Mm -hmm. so afraid that I was going to not, I was going to not be myself and not feel, not feel anything. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a big lie because um, I wasn't feeling anything before. So I, I was able to feel my feelings. I remember somebody in my family came to visit me and I had just started medication and they looked at me and they were like, so do you feel like drugged up? Like, do you feel like you're just like on another planet? And I was like, no, I finally feel like I'm on this planet and I can actually like make toast in the morning and be okay. Like I can take care of my day to day things like, Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Before was when I felt crazy and disconnected. Now I actually feel more connected. Um, and I will, and I'll say this for, um, this, so this is what I kind of think in terms of how it's affected my acting career. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that when I'm in better health, mental health, physical health, whatever, mm-hmm. I can get out of the way and let that creativity do its thing. Mm -hmm. I can get out of the way and let the character do its thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not, it's not so much about how do I think this character, you know, I can get, I can just get out of the way. It's, it's kind of like, I heard somebody say, you know, if, if you go to work, what's the hardest thing about work? And it's like, the hardest thing about work is if home's not good, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm fighting with my husband and you know, my mom and dad are sick or something, that's when it's hard to be at work because I'm not, thinking I'm I'm dealing with my own shit Mm -hmm. and I can't get out of the way to just be present and let I don't know if I mean I believe in God so like sometimes you got a call and say listen I I I I need to get out of my way right now Mm -hmm. and I'm opening myself up to because I think creativity is energy and it's all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm real California right now, but, um, I, you know, I, I just do, I just do think that and, um, or it's always been true for me. So if I can get out of my way, that's sorry, I keep saying the same thing, but that's, um, that's what I think. I think that if I take care of myself, I'm a much better actor. Mm. I do think, well, how long you've been on medication a couple of years now? Um, four years in January. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long? I came from a household that was really against it. I mean, when I was really young, um, they wanted to put me on, um, uh, what's the ADHD one? Ritalin, Ritalin or Adderall. And so they wanted to do something like that when I was younger. 
And my parents said, no, I think the reality is we have come a long way with these medicines. Mm -hmm. We know much more than we did when I was a kid. And um, so I think my parents were really apprehensive. They were like, we don't want our like little butterfly daughter to Mm -hmm. stop running around being crazy. Like we're fine. Again, it's like, it's fine. It's just Vanessa, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they didn't want that. So I always had it in my mind that medicine was the enemy mm-hmm. in a way. Like I didn't take Tylenol. I mean, now it's all the same. Way. I don't take anything. And I should probably should have been on anti-anxiety medication 20 years ago. Well, I'm going to go, I'll have a headache and I'll go take some Tylenol. And I'm like, well, I'll take peppermint tea. Oh, you can just do that. That's crazy. You know, I'd be like, I'll just stand on my head. That's how, like, I don't need Tylenol. Yeah. I can just do, I can do yoga pose and I'll be fine. Like, yeah. and I believe, listen, I think all those things still do are valid and do work. Yes. Um, however, from, so for me, it was a, it was just sort of a way that I was brought up and the way that I thought that mm-hmm. was, um, that I would lose myself if I was on medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, it's so funny when I go back over my life and I see the things I blew up, mm. like, oh, that's, the, oh, that's the medication. That would have been cured with some medication. That yeah. would have been cured with yeah. some medication. I would have kept that job if I hadn't lost it, you know. Right. Um, when you started taking the medication, did you, like, is it instantaneous or is it like, does it take time? And did were you scared? Like when you were taking it, were you like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Because I know bipolar also has that anxiety to it. So were you nervous about what it would make you feel? And then would you, would you almost make yourself feel something that wasn't even there because you were making yourself feel it? I can understand that feeling. I, that was not my experience. I was, um, I felt really safe. Mm-hmm. And my therapist and psychologist worked really, really closely and really well together. And um, so I, I had, a, my therapist was championing it the whole time. She's like, it's just when I would have a panic or whatever, she's like, it just hasn't started working yet. And it takes about a month to mm-hmm. three months mm-hmm. to fully be in your system and be working properly. So we started with, I take, I can tell you, I take Wellbutrin and Lamectol. So mm-hmm. I started with Wellbutrin, like rapid release throughout the day. Cause I hang, cause I tend to be real low on the bipolar scale. I tend to, you know, two rapid fire days to five hard days. Like that's sort of the, mm-hmm. my balance. And some people it's the other way, you know, they're just mm-hmm. up, 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 up. And then it's like two days of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I started with the, with the sort of, I also really liked uppers, anything that was an upper. Mm-hmm. Same. So mm-hmm. I had to work with that. Um, and that was kind of what helped with Bellevue but mm-hmm. no, I never, um, I, I, I had given, I had given myself over. I mean, you know, I, I went in with, you accept it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like ready to do whatever I needed to do. And I did, you know, it was a great place. I did a lot of different kinds of therapy. So I felt like it kept me active and not so in my head about, Ooh, does this feel weird? What do I feel? Right. <laughs> right. I was so scared. Absolutely. Um, so when you were undiagnosed um, during that time, especially as a young adult and like coming into your own, 
How did the bipolarism affect your relationships? Because I know you were married uh, before previously. Did that play a big role in that relationship or how did that pan out? million percent. Like yeah. that's one of the things that blew up <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because, and, I mean, we got a divorce technically for different reasons, mm. but um, in one of our like final kind of conversations, arguments, whatever, however it started and ended. Um, he said, I don't know how to hold you when you're down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to hold you. You have to find somebody that can do that because I can't. And that was sort of a tell, <laughs> you know, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I'm nuts. I better find something like to hear. Um, someone that can put up with this basically. And mm-hmm. because it, you know, the two big loves of my life both fell in love with a really bright girl. Mm -hmm. A really, you know, like up adrenaline, that's what they fell in love with. And then with that came this whole other person. And, you know, luckily they ended up stuck it out with me, but I begrudged Derek nothing because he had to see that when it was really hatching, Mm -hmm. you know, it was really starting to come up and, um, and I, and it was confusing for him and it was, it was hard on our marriage and we were very, very young. We got married mm. when I was 20 mm. and we were very in love and all of those things. But, you know, ultimately we just, I think my, the number of times that I would act irrationally, you know, throw things, scream and all of those things, um, was was not for him. It wasn't for any, it's not for anybody. Um, but, but, uh, for him, he kind of had the wherewithal to say like, that's, that's not it. And we now, you know, now all these years later, we mm-hmm. love each other very much, you know, and we can have a very long, di- you know, long arms distance of a uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. But, um, at the time I, it, it's taken me year, years to go, Oh, he, he was, that was self care. Mm. Do you feel, if I was in the situation, and this is stuff I deal with, I would probably feel like shame that I wasn't able to get through what I had to get through for my first marriage. Did you ever feel like it was your fault? Oh my, um, it, well, it was not. I, what I convinced myself was that it was not his mm. fault. Mm. I have a really, I don't hold grudges. Mm-hmm. I apologize quickly. I get in and out. Um, it was actually really, really hard for me to look at what actually broke down our marriage, that it wasn't just my behaviors, that it was mm-hmm. his behaviors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was tricky for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But it took me years. I mean, I, like, I was probably with Landon, but in one of the times where finally Landon was like, you know, you're allowed to be mad about that. Like, mm-hmm. you're allowed to be angry about that. I'm like, no, 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 no. It was my fault. I was acting crazy and he needed to do what he needed to do. And it, and I was away and I was disconnected. It was totally me, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to say like, that was shitty. That, I don't like that you did that. I don't like that you, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, took, it took a long time because mm-hmm. we were so young when we were together and our families loved each other. So it was like, it would be like talking ill of my brother. I was like, I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to say something bad. I can't. Um, and so 
but yeah, I, I definitely took on a lot of responsibility mm. for that. Probably a little bit more than I needed. It was aware I was able to survive. Mm-hmm. And as your marriage was ending and you're navigating a divorce right now at this point and, but you're still like not totally diagnosed with your bipolarism. So how do you navigate like a divorce when you've got this sort of undiagnosed thing going on, you know, and it's like, are you just kind of like checking out and trying to numb or what, what are you doing? Oh, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was acting like a freak. I mean, I, yeah. I was like showing up at, people's houses and throwing things like I was not in a good it was not great mm. it was real dangerous as a matter of fact um I yeah I mean I was like jumping and bouncing off of the walls mm. at that time and then I was doing- ever have known like you came into Pretty Liars and you were just perfect well like, you know what I mean? But like, but, but you, you know what I mean? Like you're just there and you do your job and you do a good job and you're kind to people and you know how no one would ever have known that that girl was suffering. You were just going into work as normal, right? Correct. Like working and. But I think a lot of people in that show were suffering. The more that I talked to people, the more I realized that there was a lot of mental health issues going on that, you know, we all just try to, we all just try to keep away because we're so worried about it affecting our jobs and that's what we love to do. So we don't, we don't want to be seen in that way. You know, we don't, we don't want to be seen as a burden. Right. So we, we keep it hidden. Yeah. Like I don't want to be that girl, you know, mm-hmm. it's funny. Yeah. I, I was with some girlfriends the other day and we were, set, we were like, where were you six years ago? One of our friends has been married mm-hmm. for six years and we were, you know, picked bullet pictures and we were like, oh man, not for all the money in the entire world would I go back to being that girl. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we didn't know how to communicate. We were, you know, all best friends and stuff, but like we didn't know how to say, hey, my boyfriend broke up from me yesterday. I'm not going to show up tomorrow. I'm mm-hmm. instead of it being like, and, and the other person wouldn't know to go totally get it. We got it. We're going to be slack. Then it would have been, I'm trying to show up I'm, and then they're like, Oh, you're such a flake. Like it would be like, nobody would know how to communicate. And so I think that back then we just didn't know how to communicate. You yeah. Know? You didn't know. We were all you, just on our own, our own track. Yeah. Time. You guys feel like when you were on the set on pretty little liars, did you ever feel pitted against one another? Like, was there ever a sense of that? Like, no, no, really, yeah, not really. I mean, I, you know, so I'm just grateful for the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like it was really, it was a really cool experience. It was really cool to get to be on the Warner Brothers lot. Mm-hmm. That was really cool for me because I, I, when I imagined being an actor on a TV show, mm-hmm. I moved to New York and it was like snowing outside and it's freezing and you're just running to the elements and it was like you know, trial by fire. It was crazy. And then I moved to LA and the first job I got was pretty little lines. to the Warner Brothers lot and someone gives me a nice coffee and then they put penises on me and I was like, this is something. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be okay if you never worked again? You guys, are you serious? You yeah. tried this anyway? This is <laughs> Would you be okay if you never got another job after this? No. I know like what do you do because some of us might never work again 
what are you talking about? It's doomsday. It'll never happen. Doomsday. <laughs> oh, you're great. And you create things for yourself. And that is a skill that, boy, oh, boy, do I have a fear I don't have. That's, that's my fear. My fear is mm-hmm. I follow through. Mm-hmm. You know, you have follow mm-hmm. through. You apply yourself. And I think there's a lot of creativity inside of me that I go, like, I was going to start a podcast four years ago. You know, you just have to do, you just have to do, I've realized with everything, just do one step. Oh my Instead of thinking about getting your movie uh, on, on Netflix, just do one step. Just sit down and write the title. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so grateful that you've been here with us. I'm, your words have saved lives and you don't know, you know, by, by telling your secrets mm-hmm. and by realizing that they don't keep you safe or anyone else, you change, we all change the world. You know, it makes people feel less alone. It makes people feel like they're worth something. Mm-hmm. It makes people feel like they're, they're not the only one who struggles. So the fact that you did this with us today, we are so grateful. And so grateful. Because we're so grateful, we're going to make you do a have a have <laughs> yeah, have never, have I ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for letting We're me. so excited you could be here. <laughs> this is so much. It. Okay, Roxy, it's your time. I'm going to do the whole, I'm going to do the whole section like this. Okay, Roxy, it's over to you. You get the first question and go. <laughs> okay, let's see. Ooh, 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 ooh. <gasps> never have I ever cyber stalked an ex. I have. Oh, everyone has, right? I'm doing it right now while I'm doing this podcast. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's natural, right? Right. I wouldn't call it stalking so much as just checking in. <laughs> exactly. Except you can't check in on stories because they can see that you saw them. I know. Yes, they can, Vanessa. Uh-huh. I know when you're watching me. Um, so one of my husband's exes doesn't she's not like private so like i'm like on there all the all the damn time it's been 15 years you would think i'd be over it i have the two children i've won right well after we finish shooting today so we can also cyber put it in the chat i'll put it in the chat roxy okay okay never have i ever had a one night stand is it is it ever good though is it ever good I have had a good one before. Is his name Jonathan? You know why it was good? This is why it was good. Because it was when I was living in New York and I was literally moving. So my friends and I, we all went out the night before I was moving and I met somebody and that and I knew I was going to be leaving the next day. But strangely enough, he was like, can you just cancel your flight and like hang out for a little more? I was like, no, that's all you get, boy. Bye. One. Wait, wait. It was good. You only, one time and you said goodbye. Like, why no. would you go back? It, it wasn't one time. It, I didn't sleep that night, let's just say. Oh, so it was a one night stand that. <laughs> I moved. I moved from New York the next day to uh, Dallas. So I left New York permanently, like moved to Dallas. So that that's why I knew, you know, there's no strings attached. Like nothing's going to come of it. You know, like it was just fun for a night. Right. I needed to, I don't know if I needed to do that, but I, I think I needed to do that right after my divorce was over. Yeah. That was sort of the like, 
you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am glad I met my husband because I'm very sexually orientated. So, and I, I find power and sensuality and like, I am a big old feminist. Like I love the idea of having sex and as long as you're protected and it's funny cause you know, there was this like stand up comedy, like comedy special I was watching and the guy called the girl a whore, right? Like in, in the stand up. And I thought, isn't it interesting that a woman who has a sexual appetite that wants to sleep with more than one man is called a whore mm-hmm. and a man is just called a man. A stud. He's like a stud. They're a man yeah. or someone who like has sex. But a woman is labeled a whore mm-hmm. or a slut if they like to experience sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You know? I mean, I have slept with 922 people, <laughs> but I don't think I should be called a slut. Okay. Okay, your turn. Okay, never have I ever wished I was on Vampire Diaries or Gossip Girl instead of Pretty Little Liars. Oh, oh, that's so heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love after all that we've talked about. That's yeah, heavy yeah. <laughs> that's heavy in her. Oh, gun to my head, Jeez Louise. Um, no, I don't think I ever wished to be on either one of those programs. Okay. Damn. They all had the same problems or same highs and lows and all the different sideways and all that stuff that we had on our show. Yeah. It's just a process. When is Blue Buds over? Do they, how many more? We, we are signed on till season 12 or season 11 mm-hmm. right now. Um, we'll see how Tom feels. It's really up to Tom if he wants to keep going. I think he does. So we'll see if we need to keep going. <laughs> I mean, that is a trick, too. It's like, I've been playing the same character for, like, eight years, and that is great. But also, I love a challenge, you know? Do you fear that when the show's over, then what? Or you you feel that whatever's meant to be will be? I go back and forth. If I look at girls that have been on shows like mine Mm -hmm. and sort of the number on the call sheet that I am, I get nervous. If I just remember that, like, if I don't fuck with my face too much, I'm going to get to play old people, and I'm going to have a great career in my 50s, 60s, and 70s, so I'm going to be okay. I just keep reminding myself that, like, there's always going to need to be a grandma in some show, and if I just, and I could be her. <laughs> there's there's going to be something for me. It's, it's can't be... It, it's not the end. I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't see it that way. But, but yeah, if I look at what should happen, I think I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. But if I remember like all of the ways in which a magical, crazy things that shouldn't have happened have happened to me mm-hmm. and I go, Oh, that's better to look at mm-hmm. than this. They're both, they're both fictitious, right? They're both like, Except for one I've seen a little bit more actually play out. So I'm like, well, if I had a choice, I'm going to pick that one. That one mm-hmm. seems I can sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get to ask this question, but how are your, what are your thoughts on kids? You said to me when I last saw you that you didn't think you were ready. Do you think you'll be ready? Um, I don't know if I'm going to be ready. It's, uh, you know, it's something we talk about often. Um, I really didn't feel ready 
for obvious reasons mm -hmm. um, earlier. And I still, it still is an apprehension that I have. I, I don't want to, I get nervous about passing on my issues and my crazy to my kids. Um, I, that's definitely a thing that I have massive amounts of fear around. We've talked about adopting. We've talked about adopting like a 10 year old because we're old. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Body trains. <laughs> yeah, we, we did that. Great, nailing it. Let's do it. Uh, so we talked a lot about that, um, and we are trying. Question mm. mark? I'm not. Wait, you're trying to have a baby? We're trying. We're trying. We're like, you know how it works, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just don't use protection and you have sex. <laughs> yeah. that is so that is what you're doing. Which means yes. you could have a baby. I could have a baby, which would be really great and really fun. Mm -hmm. And I am fortunate to be on a show where I think they could write it in and I'd be okay. Yeah. Um, that's definitely, I don't know. Do you see how nervous, like, I'm so nervous talking about it. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like putting it out there means you're going to be pregnant. Like, now you're pregnant because you said it. Bridget on my show, uh, Bridget Moynihan, mm -hmm. every single day asks me if I have a baby inside of me. She's like, did you, did you try? I think you're all kidding right now. <laughs> like, oh my God. Some people are like really for it. And then uh. other people are like, we get it. <laughs> but how does, how does that work? Cause he's in LA, right? And you're in New York. Now see the pandemic's kind of great for us. Yeah. Oh, hmm. okay. Pretty much all online. Like he can't do shows right now. He's mm -hmm. a singer and he can't perform anywhere, which has really not been great on his mental health. Mm -hmm. Very hard for a sweet man. But um, but the good news is we get to be together in New York, and that's good. It's good for me in a selfish way, but it's um, not as easy for him. But but we do get to have sex. Well, there's a silver lining. Maybe a little bitter <laughs> patter of little baby feet. That's the little baby feet. <laughs> On that note, thank you so much for yes. talking to us. And where can amazing. people find you, watch you, follow well, your journey? Tell us where they need to go every night at 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. And you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my name is Beaver Race School. It's uh, a friend of mine in high school used to call me Beaver Race School. I had no idea what social media was going to be. So that's <laughs> I do have a Twitter account. I definitely forgot the password to it. So good luck. I have no idea what's happening on that platform. <laughs> so really, Instagram, that's your shot. Oh, and I also know how to sign into Snapchat, which is totally useless. But Amazing. That's amazing. Well, rocks. Everyone needs to rate, subscribe, and um, comments. Yes, on on all your podcast platform places. Yes, Do it. Yes. And we, what are we? Like we've just gone through the whole. I'm like thinking about life and like <laughs> yeah. and everything. Um, we are Women on Top official on Instagram, and we are Women on Top podcast on Facebook. And I am Tamin Sursak. and I am Roxy Manning. We are women. women. On At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.